0: I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
1: Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound.
2: Look up in the sky. It's a burn. It's a pill. Yes, it's
1: Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, The Adventures of Superman. Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, Lois Lane, girl reporter, and Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet, are about to start on a trip into the vast wilderness of the Hudson Bay region of northern Canada. In our last episode, we heard how Perry White received a letter from an old French-Canadian friend of his, Sebastian Beauvais, who owns a hunting lodge in the Hudson Bay region. The letter begged White to come at once, and hinted that Sebastian was in grave trouble, it was decided on the spur of the moment that Kent and Lois would go along. They would need warm clothes, of course, to withstand the zero temperatures of the frozen north. And so they decided to go to a nearby sporting goods shop to buy them. Just as they were about to leave the office, a small package was delivered to Perry White. He opened it, suddenly turned pale, and looked as if he were about to faint. Listen.
2: Clark, I think he's going to faint. Catch
1: him. I got him. Chief, what's wrong? That, That box... Look, look at what's in that box. Let me see. Oh, great, Scott, it's it's a bullet, a rifle bullet. And a note. A note? Oh, what's it say? What's it take, Mark? Let's see. It says, a bullet like this one will find its way to your heart if you don't stay out of Canada. Good heavens. Oh, it must be a practical joke. I wouldn't pay any attention to it if I were you, Mr. White. And you're certainly taking it lightly, Kent. Of course, it's my life that's threatened, not yours.
3: You've got something there, Chief. If it was Clark's life, he'd probably be quivering with fear. Well, that's not quite fair, Lois.
2: Well, maybe it isn't.
1: Well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I'm going to see if we can trace the source of that package.
4: Uh,
1: Miss Ferguson? Uh, that package that just arrived for me, uh, how'd it get here?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yeah, as I see. Oh, all right. Well? It was brought by a boy. We'd never be able to track it down.
3: Well, I don't agree with Clark. It looks to me like someone's trying to scare you out of going to Canada. The question is, will you scare or won't you? Certainly not.
1: What do you think I'm made of? Sebastian needs my help and needs it badly. Why he didn't tell me what's wrong in his letter, I don't know. But we'll find out when we get there. Or rather, uh, when I get there.
4: What do you mean by that? I mean
1: that you and Kent are not going. Oh. This little warning changes the complexion of things entirely. That
3: may be, but there's no reason in the world why we should let it change our minds. Of
1: course not, Chief. I I can't say I like the idea of walking into trouble, but I certainly couldn't let you go up there alone, not now. Absolutely not. We'll have no more discussion about this. Bouvet is my friend, and I'm the one who'll give him whatever help he needs. I certainly don't intend to drag you two into it. You're staying here, Balderville.
3: <laughs> Isn't he amusing, Lois? He loves his little jokes. Now, look here, I'm
1: not joking. You weren't supposed to come along in the first place, and by heaven,
3: you... I'll take it, Mr. White. Hurry, White's office.
1: Yes, Miss Torgerson. Oh, you did? Oh, that's fine. Thanks a lot. Okay. <coughs> Well, we've all got seats on the Ottawa plane. What? Looks like we're going, whether you approve or not, Chief. Uh, we can cancel those reservations. Ah, yes, we can, but ah, uh, no, we won't. <laughs> oh, why? Why can't I fire you two and keep you fired? Well, there isn't much time, Chief, so suppose we discuss that on the way down to the sporting goods shop, huh? Now, the question is, why do you fire Lois and me and then rehire us again? Well, there might be any number of questions for that.
5: We've sold more
1: of this type of duck decoy than any other. Uh, They're made of cork, and uh, naturally, they're a little more expensive than the cedar ones. Twenty dollars a dozen.
3: Oh, that's pretty high. I didn't expect to pay that much. Uh, I don't do a great deal of duck hunting, you see. So you said.
1: Uh... Oh, hello, Mr. White. Uh, I'll be with you in a minute. Uh, No hurry. We'll just look around a bit. Uh, Why not take the cedar decoys, then? They're $14 a
6: dozen. Hmm. I see. Uh, Do you mind if I think it over? I want to make the best buy I can, but I don't want to spend too much. I'll drop in tomorrow. Oh, that'll be fine. Uh, I'll look for you. Okay.
1: Thanks very much. You're quite welcome. Well, Mr. White, what can I do for you? I thought we had outfitted you for your trip to Canada pretty completely. Oh, you did, outside of a few odds and ends. Well, uh, I'm not looking for anything for myself, really. Uh, these mm-hmm. two people are coming along with me. Right. Sort of a uh, last-minute arrangement, you know, and uh, we've got to get outfits for them, too. All right, uh... I'll take care of you right away. I, I suggest we find out first what you need, sir. And uh, then we'll take care of the lady. Feminine apparel is in another department. Well, mm-hmm. it's okay with
3: me. If you don't mind, Lois. Oh, certainly not. You know, this is pretty exciting. I've never been in a store like this before. Gracious, look at those bright red hunting coats, mm-hmm. and those guns on the racks, and those uh, duck decoys on the table. And, oh, heavens, I guess you could get almost anything you needed for the woods right here in this store. That's right, Miss. <laughs> We carry a full line of sporting goods. Now, let's see, sir. I I think you'll
1: want a parka like the one Mr. White ordered. A
3: parka? What's that? A
1: heavy woolen coat, fleece lined with a hood attached.
3: Uh, Here's some right over here. Of course, I've seen them in the movies. You know, pictures of the frozen north and all that. I guess you take a large size,
1: sir. Mm -hmm. Let's try this one on. All right. Hang on. There we are. Whew. Boy, this thing is hot. You were not that warmth up in the Hudson Bay region. I guess so. I understand the temperature often drops to 20 and 30 degrees below zero. Yes, yeah, so I've heard. Uh-huh. Mister nice to fit. All right, well, I'll take this one. Fine. Now, look, uh, have you got one in a small size? A
6: small size? Mm-hmm. Why,
1: uh, yes. Uh, uh, just how small? Oh, to fit somebody about this tall. Well, what in the world do you want a pocket that small for? Oh, uh... Yeah, Oh, what? Oh, just old. Now, look here, Kent. This doesn't make sense. You can't wear a coat that small, and I don't... take it easy, Chief. Take it easy. I'm paying for this stuff, so what are you worried about? I'm not worried. I just don't understand it, that's all. Well, what's the sense of buying a coat half your size?
7: Clark, I don't understand that myself. Well,
1: it's a secret. I'll take that small, Parker, as well as the large one. Right, sir. I'll put them both aside. Now, Now, let's see. Boots. I guess will be the next item. Uh, you'll need some warm and comfortable boots for traveling through the woods. Now, if you'll just...
3: You uh... Excuse me, bud. Yes? Mind if I have a look at these guns on the rack
1: here? Oh, not at all. Go right ahead. Thanks. Uh, now then, uh, the boots. Uh, what size do you wear? Uh, size 11C. Uh, better give them the same type of boot you sold me. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, rubber soles and uh, leather tops. Yes, I was going to, Mr. White.
2: This thirty oh six
3: 6 Winchester looks pretty good. Nice and light.
1: White? Uh, oh, yes, that's a mighty fine rifle. Uh, now, sir... Uh, these are just the boots you'll need.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, have you got a smaller size in the boots as well? A smaller size? Yes, I'd say about a oh, a five. A five? Well, what are you going to do with a size five boots?
2: Mark, what's gotten into you? Are you out of your mind?
1: Uh, here's a pair of fives right here, sir. All right, let's have a look at them. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think they just about do. Do for what? Well, you couldn't get your hands in them, let alone your feet. I wish you too would stop being so inquisitive. All these questions. I don't think I have to ask any more questions, Kent. I'm beginning to put two and two together. That small-sized parker you bought would be just about right for a boy of 14, wouldn't it? And the boots would just about fit a kid that age. Kent, look at me. Now, gee. Look at me, I said. Well? You're not thinking of bringing that freckle-faced terror along with us, are you? Terror, I I don't know what you mean. You know what I mean, all right. It's a little devil disguised as a 14-year-old boy. It's a benighted imp that always succeeds in driving me stark raving mad, and its name is Jimmy Olson.
6: Now answer me, Kent.
1: You wouldn't be thinking of bringing him along with us, would you? Well, why, Jimmy's at home, Chief. He he hasn't seen his mother in months. Uh, I guess he'd want to stay with her for a while, so... Well, he couldn't possibly come with us. Of course, I know he'd be terribly disappointed if we went without him, and and I thought, you thought what? Well, I thought I. You know, give him a ring on the phone and sort of ask him if he wanted to come along. You know, just give him a chance to refuse. And of course he would refuse. Of course. Oh, you're sure of that? Why, positive. You're so positive that you're buying him a complete outfit. Kent, no, I won't stand for it. Now, Mr. There are lots of things I'll take from you, but this is, is not one of them. But if you, you know how he gets on my nerves. You know how he badges me, tortures me, drives me to distraction. Well, he's he only... can't come along, Kent. Do you understand? I won't have it. I'd, ra- you know, I, but... I'd rather travel with a man-eating tiger it easy, will you? Please. Jimmy will probably refuse anyway. Say, wait a minute. What's the matter, Clark? Hey, you there. You with the gun. Yeah. You're pointing that rifle straight at us. Do you mind sighting it in another direction?
3: Oh, sorry. I didn't know it was pointed at you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Kent, I, I've taken care of the,
1: uh, boots and the, uh, pockets. Oh, I, fine. I think we'd better see what we have in the way of hunting trout, All right. right. I think the same type Mr. White purchased should do, a good warm woolen pair. Treated with a new chemical that makes them absolutely waterproof. Oh. We have them in all sizes, too. And we'll be sure to have a pair for the boy you were talking no, about. I said that boy no, was no, not no. coming. Please,
3: Mr. Now, White. Now, last
1: at all, Kent, we're going to have this out here and now. But if you... I won't... said that little rat scallion is not to come along, and when no, I... wait a
3: minute. Clark. Yes, Horace. Look at that man. He's pointing that rifle at us again. What? Straight at Mr. White. What's
1: that? Uh, why, George, he is. Uh, okay. Hey, you there, put down that gun. Point it somewhere else.
3: What's that? I said
1: point that rifle somewhere else. I don't like people poking guns at me.
3: Nothing to worry about, mister. These guns aren't loaded. Yes,
1: it's always the gun that isn't loaded that does the damage. You ought to know better than to point a gun at people anyway.
3: Now, what are you getting so riled up about? If the gun was loaded, it would be a different matter, maybe. Well, now, whether the gun is loaded or not... You're pointing it at Mr. White. Make him stop it, Clark. Oh, don't be silly,
2: lady. I tell you, that gun isn't loaded. Look, I'll prove it. I'll pull the trigger. No, if I heaven's tight, don't...
3: With a sharp
1: crack, the supposedly unloaded rifle fires a deadly steel-jacketed bullet at Perry White's chest, a bullet that might mean instant death. Was the firing of the rifle an accident, or is it part of the strange, mysterious effort to keep Perry White from reaching Hudson Bay? Don't miss tomorrow's exciting episode, and be sure to listen every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive able to leap tall buildings in a single bound.
2: Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman.
1: Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Oh,
0: yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah. For an exclusive loot. On surprises, not to your adore every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. cowabunga, To the Loot Gaming Video Game Box. Woohoo!
7: Woo!
0: To the today, Browsers! Huh? With cuts starting as low as a per month, those are facts just about for all collectors To get your Geek on, head over to PhoenixMedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X Media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into
5: a loot crate! Dig it?
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
1: Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leave tall buildings in a single bound.
2: Look! Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's
1: Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend the steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, The Adventures of Superman. At the moment, Superman, in his disguise of Clark Kent, is in a peculiarly bad spot. As you remember, Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet, Lois Lane, girl reporter, and Kent, are planning a trip into the wilderness of the Hudson Bay region of northern Canada. It is their intention to visit a certain Sebastian Beauvais, owner of a hunting lodge, who wrote to his old friend White, begging him to come at once, that he needed help badly. In our last episode, Kent, Lois, and White visited a sporting goods shop to buy the clothes they would need for the trip into the frozen north. A stranger entered the shop while they were there, and while examining a rifle, repeatedly pointed the weapon at Perry White. Suddenly, as if by accident, the rifle went off, with White directly in the line of fire. And yet, when the excitement died down, the Daily Planet editor was discovered to be unharmed. The bullet had not touched him, for the hand of Superman had shot out and stopped the bullet in mid-flight. Clark Kent now finds himself in a most embarrassing predicament. For Lois, staring at him with a strange look in her eyes, says...
2: I tell you, I saw it.
3: I saw Clark stop that bullet. He's holding it in his hand. Lois, you're talking nonsense. Maybe
2: I am. I don't know. Go on, open your right hand.
3: Lois, this is ridiculous.
1: Well, prove
2: it. Prove it by opening your right hand.
1: We're waiting, Kent. I can see you're holding something in your right hand, and I demand to know what it is. Now, open your hand, Kent, and open it right now. (laughs) Now, really, this is the funniest thing that's ever happened to me. The most flattering, too, I might say. Do you realize, Lois, that you're practically accusing me of being... Well, of being Superman. I know it isn't possible. No ordinary man could stop a bullet in flight. Uh, Wait a minute, you. I wouldn't try sneaking off if I were in your place.
3: Who's sneaking off?
1: I thought I saw you start to edge toward the street door.
3: What would I do that for? Am I supposed to be afraid of something? It was an accident, that gun going off. I didn't know it was
1: loaded. We'll deal with him later, Kent. Right now, I want to see what you're holding in your hand.
3: Clark, I can't stand this suspense any longer. I know I couldn't have seen what I think I saw, but... Okay. You win. What do you mean?
1: I... I've tried to hide it from you, but... Well, I'm afraid now I'll have to admit the truth. Lois, Mr. White, I, Clark Kent, and Superman. (gasps) Steady, steady, Lois. Now, blast you into limbo and out again, Kent. Open that hand of yours and let's get this thing over with. Very well, but if I'm about to reveal myself to you as Superman... Oh, Clark, stop this joking. You started it. As I was saying, if I'm about to reveal myself as Superman, I might as well make the most of a suspenseful moment. So then, I'm going to count ten. At the end of that time, I'll open my hand and... reveal myself to your wondering gaze as Superman. Never mind the counting. Uh, uh, th- uh, 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 no, 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 i got to do this right. After all, Chief, this is a world-shattering moment. Well, here we go. One. Two. Taking the desperate chance of telling sure Lois is. and Perry White in a joking manner what he Four. is sure they won't believe, Superman in his guise of Clark Kent begins to count ten. And in the time thus Big. gained, he tightens his fist, tightens and tightens it until Seven. the very pressure of his superhuman strength crushes and reduces the rifle bullet to dust. Eight. And then, as he reaches the end Nine. of his count... Ten. And now, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, perceive I blow lightly through my fist, so... And then open my hand There
3: Why, it's empty Your hand is empty
1: Well, what in heaven's name did you expect, Lois? What on earth have we two been doing? Accusing him of stopping a bullet Did we go out of our minds or something? Now the entire matter's closed The gun went off accidentally I'm not hurt, thank heaven You're lucky
3: the bullet missed you
1: You can say that again but it's over with, so let's forget it. Uh,
3: excuse me, mister. You mind if I go now? What?
1: Oh, yes, yes, you can go. Better be a little more careful next time,
6: the way you handle unloaded rifles. I'm sorry, mister. I'm certainly glad you weren't hurt. You can bet I'll be more careful. Well, so on. Now, where's that clerk? Hey, right
1: here, Mr. White. You know, it's a funny thing about that incident. To begin with, none of those rifles is ever loaded. Well, this one was. I know, but where did the bullet go? It's not in the wall. Uh, I'm sorry. I just thought of something I must do. Uh, you've got practically everything I'll need, and I can pick up almost anything else in Canada. I'll run. Along. Uh, but Kent, oh uh, yes, uh, duplicate everything in a smaller size for a boy about so big. Jimmy Olson is not coming on this trip, Kent. I uh, won't no. have him with us. I've made up my mind to that. You'll change it. You always do.
4: See you
2: back at the office, but Kent. I... <sighs>
1: uh, he'll manage it. I'm late before I start. He'll manage it somehow. Manage what? Uh, to bring Jimmy along on this trip. If ever a nymph was created to torture me, it's Jimmy Olson. Leaving Lois and Perry White in the sporting goods shop, Clark Kent moves swiftly into the street. Just in time to see the man who almost killed White step into a taxi cab. Hailing a cab himself, Kent gives the driver quick instructions. Follow that green and white cab that just pulled away. There's a five-spot in it if you don't lose it. Kent's taxi follows the other across town into an expensive section of the city where it pulls up before a fashionable apartment house. Kent orders his cab to pull over to the curb a block away. Now to find out into what nest my bird has flown. Ah, huh. this is the apartment house. Well, in we go. Uh oh, here comes the doorman. I'll have to think of something. Can I help you, sir? Oh, I uh, I don't know. A funny thing, I just saw a man, a friend of mine, whom I haven't seen in years, enter this building. A man wearing a gray overcoat. Oh, Mr. Kilrain? Yes, that's his name. Well, he's in Pantote, eh, sir. He lives oh. there with, with the other gentleman. Well, thank you. I'll just drop in on him. Just a moment, sir. I have what? to announce you. Whom should I say he's calling? Well, I'd just like to surprise him. I don't... Oh, sorry, sir. It's against the rule. Oh, now, look here. There's no harm in my dropping in. I'm sorry, know... sir. It's a rule. There's nothing I can do about it. Oh, well, in that case, don't bother. Oh, but, sir, all I have to do is pick up this phone. Oh, and... if Kilrain's gotten so ritzy I can't see him without being announced, forget it. But really, Never so mind. Have... Never mind. Well... Ah, quicker ways of getting to penthouse, eh? And there's the entrance to the backyard. If luck is with me, I ought to be able to reach the penthouse from there. Oh, funny the way that doorman acted. The way he said Kilrene was living with that other gentleman. It sounded as if there was something strange about the other gentleman. Oh, here we are. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the terrace of the penthouse way up there.
2: All right. Off oh, for these clothes?
1: Now then. As Superman, I won't have to be announced.
2: Up! Up! <laughs>
1: Oh, quite a terrorist, garden and all. Now, let's see who was in that lighted room. I was right. It's Kilrain just taking off his coat. Well, nothing like the direct approach. Up with this window. And in we go. What is the name of... Please don't get excited, Mr. Kilrain. And uh, please don't reach inside your coat for the gun you probably carry there. What is this? Who are you and what are you doing here? Oh, I was just flying by and thought I'd drop in.
6: You were just... What are you talking about? And keep your voice down. You'll awaken him.
1: By him, I take it you mean the other gentleman with whom you live?
3: You've got it. He
6: sleeps in the afternoon
3: and anything he hates is to be waked up. Oh, that would be a pity, wouldn't it?
1: Very well, I shall talk quietly. Come here, Mr. Kilrain.
3: I don't get this. Who are you? Hey, wait a minute. Take your hand off my arm. Don't
1: cry out. And keep your voice down. We wouldn't want to awaken him, would we?
6: No. No, he wouldn't.
1: No, good. We begin to understand each other, you and I, Mr. Kilrain. You felt the pressure of my hand on your arm, and if I were to use all my strength, it would crush your arm. You would undoubtedly cry out in pain, and that... that would awaken him. Now then, since we appear to be mortally afraid of waking him, suppose you tell me what I want to know. What's that? Why did you try to kill that gentleman in the sporting goods shop a little while ago?
3: I didn't try to kill nobody. That was an accident. Hey... How did you know about that? Never
1: mind. Why did you try to kill him?
3: I tell you, I didn't. The
1: idea was to prevent him from going to Canada, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know nothing. Uh, uh, Ah, now, that's a fib, Mr. Kildrain. If I had some soap, I'd wash out your mouth. But uh, not having any soap, I'll just increase the pressure on your
2: arm. No. No, I can't stand it. Don't. Don't. Please.
1: Tell me what I want to know.
2: I... I can't. He'd do things to me that...
5: Who would do things to you? Him. (laughs) Well,
1: we seem to be getting nowhere very fast, Mr. Kilrain. Now, let's concentrate a bit now, eh? Just who is him?
6: The Laugher. The Laugher? Yeah. He's called that because... Hey, wait. Did you... Did you hear someone move?
1: Yes. Yes, I believe I did. Someone moved in the next room.
3: Then he's awake. Half an hour before his usual time. We woke him up. You and me. We did it.
1: Don't say. Well, you sound as if it was something to be worried about.
3: Uh, you don't know the laugh. He's always laughing, but... Uh,
1: we... We shouldn't have woke him up. Nothing makes him madder than madden. And...
3: Hello?
4: Laffer <laughs> Well,
1: Superman seems to have stepped into a very strange company indeed. Who is this amazing character, the Laughter, and why are he and his henchman Kilrain trying to prevent Perry White from reaching the Hudson Bay region? Be sure to hear tomorrow's revealing episode. And listen every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman.
2: Faster than a speeding
1: bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leave tall buildings in a single bound.
2: Look, Look in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman.
1: Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman.
1: Faster than a speeding bullet.
2: More powerful than a locomotive.
1: Able to leave tall buildings in a single bound. Look
2: up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman.
1: Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who could change the course of mighty rivers, bend the steel in his bare hands. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, The Adventures of Superman. When Superman and his guise of Clark Kent and Lois Lane, girl reporter, decided to accompany editor Perry White into the wilds of northern Canada, things began to happen. The purpose of the trip was to investigate an urgent letter White had received from an old friend of his, Sebastian Beauvais, owner of a hunting lodge in the Hudson Bay region. In the letter, Beauvais begged White to come to his aid at once, though he did not explain the nature of his trouble. While purchasing some necessary clothes in a sporting goods shop, Perry White was almost killed by a man who fired a rifle at him. The man, whose name was Kilrain, claimed that he did not know the rifle was loaded. But Kent, suspecting Kilrain, followed him to a penthouse apartment in a very fashionable part of town. Dropping his reporter's disguise, he confronted Kilrain in the penthouse apartment as Superman. Kilrain seemed mortally afraid of awakening someone whom he said was asleep in another room and begged Superman to keep his voice low. Gripping Kilrain's arm, Superman tried to force a confession out of him. Listen. Why did you fire that rifle at Perry White? Answer me. I can't tell you. he do things to me. Who would do things to you? The laughter. The laughter? Yeah.
3: He's called that because... Hey, wait. Did you... Did you hear someone moving?
1: Yes. Someone moved in the next room.
2: Then he's awake half an hour before his usual time. We woke him up, you and me. We did it. Oh,
3: you
1: sound as if it was something to be worried about.
3: Oh, you don't know the Laffer. He's always laughing, but we shouldn't have woke him
4: up. Nothing makes him mad as mad Hello, Laffer. <laughs>
8: well, I've witnessed some amusing scenes in my time, but this is the artist. What a singularly queer picture to be confronted with when one is just waking from a deep slumber.
3: I didn't mean to wake you, Laffer. This guy come through the window was almost breaking my arm trying to get me to tell him something.
8: I forgive you, Kilgrain. Such is my pleasure at witnessing so strange a scene that I feel generous. Sir, I know not who you are, but uh, you and your costume amuse me mightily. (laughs) I hope you're not offended. Offended? Certainly
1: not. I'm, well, sort of a little surprised, that's all. Surprised? What do you mean? At the reception you've given me. You see, Laffer, or whatever you're called... Laffer, that is the name. Well, you see, Laffer, I have amazed people, astounded them, sometimes even intimidated them. But I don't ever remember amusing them. This is the first
8: time I've ever been laughed at. And it distresses you? Oh, well, then, sir, forgive me. I would not hurt you for the world. The truth is, it is my good fortune to see everything in an amusing light. Even funerals, sir, make me laugh until my chins quiver like jelly in a jar. (laughs) you seem puzzled, sir. A bit baffled. No, I'm not baffled.
1: It's just, well, just as you find me amusing, I find you a little
8: queer. (laughs) I've never met anyone like you. (laughs) I'm not averse to being considered unique. Come, sir. I have criticized your costume, told you what I find you amusing. Tell me what you think of me. You remind me of a frog, a
1: puffed-up, bloated, unhealthy frog. (laughs)
4: That
1: fat face of yours with its crippled chins and its gray color, your mountainous (laughs) body, your fat fingers covered with diamonds. Ah, yes. I love you. That's easy enough to see. You're practically covered with them.
8: If you don't mind my saying so, it's a bit sickening, almost as sickening as your laughter. Sir... In you, I see at last a man worthy of my medal. I will tell you something. When I first laid eyes on you, I knew you were my enemy. But I knew more than that. You are my enemy to the death. When our acquaintance is at an end, sir, one of us will not be alive. (laughs) Does that not amuse you? I've never been able to see anything amusing in death. That is unfortunate. But come, sir, let us know one another better. Who are you? And why do you wear that gaudy costume, that red cape, that blue suit? I have a reason for wearing it, which we won't go into. As to who I am, I'm called Superman. So you are Superman? I've heard of you. Well, now I am flattered. Well said, sir. Well said. Superman. Perhaps that is my fate. Perhaps here stands before me the one being who will in the end defeat me. Well, but no matter. Tell me, Superman. What are you doing here in my apartment? I followed your friend Kilrain. Something happened this
1: afternoon to some acquaintances of mine. Something I didn't like. I decided I'd better investigate. Tell me about it. I think you know. However, just to be sure we understand each other, I'll go over it briefly. Editor Perry White of the Daily Planet is planning to leave tonight by plane to visit a friend of his who owns a hunting lodge in the Hudson Bay region of northern Canada. This friend, a man named Sebastian Beauvais, has called on White for help, help which he desperately needs. (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. Continue. Well, several friends of mine, Clark Kent and Lois Lane, both newspaper reporters, and probably a young boy named Jimmy Olsen, are going along with Mr. White. This afternoon, they visited a sporting goods shop to buy equipment that they'd need. While they were purchasing it, Kilrain came in and pretended he was interested in looking at some rifles. Quite by accident, one of the rifles went off, just as Kilrain was pointing it at Mr. White, not ten feet from him. (laughs) (laughs) How
8: unfortunate. How desperately unfortunate. It wasn't really, because the bullet somehow missed White, even at that close range. You mean the Perry White is not dead?
3: Uh, Listen, boss. listen, I...
8: Hey, Lifer,
4: don't don't get that look on your face.
8: Do be quiet, Kilrain. Am I to understand that White is not dead, sir? You are. The bullet missed him. (laughs) Odd. Extremely odd. It's the first time you've made a mistake in years, Kilrain.
4: I don't understand it myself.
3: Honest, I don't. I couldn't have missed him, and yet I...
8: And yet you did. Well, that's unfortunate. (laughs) Most unfortunate for you, But
3: oh, Listen,
2: Boris, I... Please, I...
8: Needless to say, Gilraine, you'll suffer for
2: this. Oh, I tried my... Best. Quiet, you fool.
8: <laughs> so then, Superman, you came here to force a confession from Kilrain? That's right. No need for a forced confession. No reason that I can fathom why you should not be told what you wish to know. Gilrayne did attempt to kill Mr. White at my orders. You admit it? Why not? What can you do about it?
1: Certainly you can't prove it. No, that's true, I can't. I haven't any proof as yet.
8: (laughs) And you will never have any proof, Superman. Well, that's to be seen. Why do you want Perry White out of the way? Mr. White, I tell you in all honesty, will never reach Hudson Bay alive. Nor will Miss Lane, nor Mr. Kent, nor the young boy you mentioned. An unfortunate circumstance from your point of view, an amusing one from mine, Since I shall find extreme delight in devising means of keeping them out of Canada at the cost of their lives, if necessary. Why are you so anxious to keep them out of Canada? You are very inquisitive, aren't you? Nothing but questions, questions, questions.
1: Now, look here. I've had enough of this.
8: You'll tell me what I want to know. or Don't try to defend me, Kilrain. It isn't necessary.
1: But he's got his hands on your throat. And I haven't even started.
8: (laughs) Of course you haven't. I can sense your fingers. I... Amazingly strong. You'll
1: find out how strong unless you talk.
8: What will you do? Kill me? You couldn't do that easily. But where would he get you? Nowhere. Besides, I suspect you are not the killer type. You will inflict pain if necessary, but you will not kill. What are you driving at?
4: If you would take your fingers about my throat.
8: <coughs> Thank you. I do find it easier to talk. <laughs> you ask me what I'm driving at. Simply this. It is my belief that I am possessed of the greatest brain in the world. You, by reputation, are the most powerful human ever created. We must try our strength against one another. Fit courage against courage. Brain against brain. Power against power. You're making a big mistake. You haven't a chance. <laughs> we just see. You won't kill me. And no amount of pain inflicted will make me do your bidding so then you must seek other means to destroy me. Clark Kent and Lois Lane and editor Perry White leave tonight by plane for Ottawa? (laughs) I think not. For I shall think of some way of stopping them. Let us see if you can catch me before I catch them. It will be a hard fight, but a merry one. Now shall I show you through
1: the door? I'll leave the way I came, through the window. But I warn you, you'll suffer if
8: anything happens to those people. It will be your job to see that nothing does. And so, until we meet again, goodbye. Goodbye.
2: Up, up, and away!
8: Great heaven! Did you see that, Currain? He actually flew out the window. Now, oh, by heaven, that is the most amazing thing I've seen in years.
4: <laughs> he actually flew out of the window. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs>
1: With his triple chins quivering, the strange diamond-studded creature gazes out the window at Superman's departing figure. But even as laughter rocks his huge body, his small, dark eyes narrow into ominous slits. Who is this man known only as the Laffer? Why is he trying to prevent Perry White from reaching Hudson Bay? This is no ordinary enemy Superman is pitted against. Be with us again tomorrow for another thrilling episode. Yes, and listen every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leave tall buildings at a single bound.
2: Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman.
1: Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
1: Faster than a speeding bullet! More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a
2: single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane!
1: It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend the steel in his bare hand, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, Mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, the adventures of Superman. When editor Perry White received an urgent letter from his French-Canadian friend, Sebastian Beauvais, requesting that he come to Beauvais' hunting lodge in northern Canada at once, White, together with Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and young Jimmy Olsen, made immediate arrangements to leave. And then suddenly, strange things began to happen, all obviously to prevent Perry White from making the trip. In our last episode, we learned how Kent, as Superman, met a curiously sinister character known only as the Laffer. Boldly, the Laffer admitted to Superman that he intended to prevent Perry White and his party from reaching Sebastian Beauvais' hunting lodge at any cost. As we continue our story today, we find ourselves in the rich, overly furnished penthouse apartment of the Laffer. There's the laugh of himself, sitting in that huge easy chair. As you can see, he's a tremendous man, a mountain of flesh with three chins and a ponderous stomach. His fat, stubby fingers are covered with glittering diamonds, and he sits like some great bloated frog, his tiny eyes half-closed, apparently deep in thought. Now his eyes open slowly, and he stares at a man who is fast asleep on a nearby couch. Something strikes him as funny, and he laughs softly.
8: Sleepy, wake up. Wake up, I say.
4: Uh, huh?
8: Wake up, sleepy. Open those droopy eyes of yours.
5: Okay, laugh, if you say so. <sighs> Why, well, what's up?
8: I've been sitting here, sleepy, indulging in deep thought.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
8: Would you be even faintly interested in what I was thinking about,
5: Sleepy? Well, I'd much rather catch a more shut-eye laugh. But if you want to talk, oh, go right ahead. I'll listen, but I won't understand half of what you say. I hardly ever do. Don't you
8: ever do anything but sleep, Sleepy?
5: Don't you ever do anything but think? No. Same here. That's why they call me Sleepy. Oh, go ahead and talk. I'm listening.
8: I've been thinking about this rather fantastic person known as Superman. He was here an hour ago, just before you arrived. (laughs) He amused me terribly. (laughs) And yet, Sleepy, there is something about him that that I cannot take lightly. Uh, I'm afraid you're not listening, Sleepy.
5: Oh, 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 I am, I am. Go right ahead. Uh, You don't take this King Superman lightly.
8: That's right. Sleepy... For the very first time in my entire career, I feel that I have met my match. Nuts. No, no, really. For the first time as far back as I can remember, I shall have to exercise every faculty, every talent that I possess. And that concerns me a little, Sleepy. For truth to tell, I have not really used my talents in a long,
5: long time. I repeat, nuts. <laughs>
8: Oh, I know. You have a wonderful opinion of me, Sleepy, and so you should. Surely, I am a remarkable person, probably the greatest mastermind that ever lived. Absolutely, the tops. But my brain, that magnificent organ which I so fortunately possess, has suffered a little from disuse. And so I worry somewhat now that I have challenged Superman to a duel, to a fight to the finish.
5: He's all muscle, ain't he?
8: If what I have heard of this Superman is true, he is not only the possessor of singular muscular strength, but his mind is equally well-developed. Ah, it can't be as good as yours. You'll fathom me sleeping. However, I agree with you completely. There has never been, and there never will be again, such a brain as mine. But to get to the point of what I was thinking...
5: Yeah, let's do that there.
8: Editor Perry White of the Daily Planet, Miss Lois Lane a very efficient young woman who works as a reporter on the paper, and Clark Kent, another reporter, are taking the plane to Ottawa tonight. (sighs) They're going, uh, so they think, into the Hudson Bay region to visit the hunting lodge of one Sebastian Beauvais.
5: Hey, they can't do that. I told we didn't want nobody near that place.
8: We don't, Sleepy. We don't. Therefore, it becomes imperative that we stop these people before they get there. In the course of my cerebral activity. Huh? Your what? <laughs> cerebral activity. Oh. <laughs> thinking, do you? In the course of my thinking, Sleepy, mm. I made up my mind that it would be far easier to stop White and Miss Lane and Mr. Cantor Metropolis before they even board that plane to Ottawa.
5: Oh, you don't want them to get even as far as the plane. That is? <laughs>
8: That's it, precisely.
5: Okay. Tell me where they are, and I'll give them the works. I'll mow them down. Ah, no, Sleepy.
8: No, indeed. It's hardly as simple a job as that. And I am finding it difficult to devise a plan. Ah, oh, your, pl- your
5: brain's rusty, because you ain't used to touch.
8: Precisely. I can almost hear the wheels creaking slowly,
5: trying desperately to move.
8: But the oil of activity, Sleepy, the very act of forcing myself really to think soon begins to work and the wheels of my brain begin to turn more swiftly.
5: Yeah, I can almost see them.
8: Superman, I say to myself, now that he knows I will attack his friends, will be near them every moment. They will never be out of his sight. He'll be watching, eternally vigilant, anticipating my every move, and wholly prepared to block me at every turn.
5: Yeah, it's tough.
8: Yes, but not without solution. Not at any rate to a brain like mine... <laughs> what do I decide to do? I don't know what. I decide that Superman cannot stop what he does not know about. And at once, a complete plan unfolds itself before me.
5: Nice going, Laughter. I know you'd come through.
8: Thank you. I think I'd better tell you my plan since you are to carry it out within the next two hours.
5: Oh, I was sort of figuring on hitting the hay early tonight. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. I'll sleep late tomorrow. What's the plan?
8: To get to the airport from which the Ottawa plane will leave, White and Miss Lane and Kent will undoubtedly take a taxi. (laughs) You, Sleepy, will be the driver of that taxi.
5: Yeah, go on.
8: They will get into the taxi and you will start to the airport. Somewhere along the route, however, you will pull up to a corner where there's a cigar store. You will say you want to get a package of cigarettes.
5: What do I want with cigarettes? I don't smoke. They make me nervous why I start losing You're all.
8: only pretending you want cigarettes.
5: Oh, well, what happens then?
8: You'll have a tiny box I shall give you. You will keep the box beside you on the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. And as you get out of the cab, you will press the button on the outside of that tiny box. Is that clear? Well, what's in the box? Explosive. Enough explosive to blow that cab and everyone in it to kingdom coming back again. Hey, that's a wonderful idea. Isn't it? There's only one thing that bothers me, Sleepy. I wish I had more time so that the bomb could be concealed. Well, I haven't, so we must do the best we can. I tell you, you will place your overcoat over the box on the seat beside you. There will be absolutely no chance of it's being discovered. Okay, when do I start? I shall telephone several people and make the necessary arrangements. A word of caution, Sleepy? Oh, Yeah. Once you've pressed the button on that box of explosives, get out of the cab and leave it quickly. You will not have much time. you understand? Oh, yeah. Good. (laughs) As a matter of fact,
4: excellent. (laughs) Excellent indeed.
1: (laughs) No, we're just not making any time at all. This traffic is terrible.
3: Take it easy, Mr. White.
1: Sure, Chief. The driver's doing the best he can. Mm Well, at this rate, we'll never reach the airport in time to catch that Ottawa plane. Driver, can't you get out of this traffic?
5: Oh, I don't know, mister. I don't know. Oh,
1: why don't you go down State Street? You can turn into it at the next light.
5: Oh, okay. Anything you
3: say. Say one thing. I've never seen such a sleepy cab driver in my life. Oh, has
5: he heard you? Yeah, I heard it. Sure, I'm sleepy. My kid's got a bad cold. Kept me up all night. Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all right. Oh. I'll sleep late tomorrow.
1: When does the plane reach Ottawa, Chief? Seven in the morning. We leave Ottawa at ten by private plane and arrive at Lake Lindo tomorrow night. From there, it's another day, packing into the wilderness by horse.
3: Dear me, I'm beginning to feel like the great outdoor girl already. Uh,
1: I can't. Anything wrong? Wrong? No, no, Chief. What do you mean? You seem nervous and fidgety. You keep looking out the window every time we stop for a light.
3: Well, you just don't seem yourself. Yes, Clark. What's the matter with you? I just noticed now, as we
2: stopped for this light, you unconsciously peered out both windows as if you were looking for someone. Oh, no, no, not at all. What was that? What, that laugh? Yes.
1: A oh, man passing by in the street, lad, that's all. What's so unusual about that?
2: Oh,
3: nothing.
1: Nothing at all. I wish we could make better time. It's getting late. Oh,
3: stop worrying, Mr. White. We'll make it all right.
1: Mm, I hope. What's he pulling up to the curb for? I don't know. Driver, what are you stopping for?
5: If you don't mind, Mac, I want to get some cigarettes.
1: Now, look here, cabby, we're in a hurry. We've got to reach the airport in 15 minutes. No, Mac, it don't worry. i got to have some smoke.
5: And you just stay where you are and get this cab started again. It won't take me long, but I'll be back in no time. Wait a minute. Come back here. You... You... Well, of all the colossal oh, nerves. Now,
1: take it easy, Chief. He won't be but a second. No, that's not the point. While he's in my employ, he'll do what I tell him or else. Now, come on, both of you. We'll get out and get another cab. Oh, Mr. White. No buts, no buts. We'll get out and get another cab. And that's Cares right. Cabs are scarce these days, Chief. We'll waste more time than we'll gain getting our luggage out and waiting for another taxi to come along. we better stay right here. Uh, I suppose you're right, but I'll give that hooligan a piece of my mind when he gets back. All right, all right. In the meantime, relax. Relax? How can I relax when we may miss that plane by second? No, we won't miss it. We'll reach the airport on time, so just do as Lois says and relax. Nothing to worry about, Chief. Absolutely nothing at all. Nothing to worry about. A box of high explosive lies beside the driver's seat hidden under a coat. At any moment, it will explode. Be sure to hear Monday's thrill-packed episode and listen every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound.
2: Look! Up in the sky! It's a pain! It's
1: Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and
0: previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting PhoenixMedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes Join us again same bat time same bat station for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater Excelsior! I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
1: Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound.
2: Look up in the sky. It's a bird.
1: Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, the adventures of Superman. When Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet, decided to go to the Hudson Bay country of northern Canada in answer to a message for help from his friend, Sebastian Beauvais, he soon discovered his trip was to be a dangerous one. An attempt was made on the editor's life by the henchman of a strange individual known as the Laugher, who finds much to laugh at in the troubles of other people. For some reason, the laugher does not want Editor White, nor Kent, nor Lois Lane to leak Sebastian Beauvais' hunting lodge in the Canadian wilderness. In our last episode, our friends were on their way to the airport, unaware that the driver of their taxi was one of the laugher's henchmen. When the driver pretended to go for cigarettes, he left a time bomb on the seat beside him. How long before the time bomb will explode, we do not know. And as Kent, Lois, and Perry White sit talking in the cab, they themselves have no idea of their danger. Listen. No, I won't stand for it. I'll report that driver to the company the first chance I get. Now, Mr. White. Don't do Mr. White me. Well... That cab driver hasn't heard the last of this. Here we are, trying to make time to the airport seconds may mean the difference between catching that plane or missing it, and he has to stop to buy cigarettes. Well, take it easy, Chief. We won't miss the plane. No. We've got plenty of time. Now, if we miss that Ottawa plane, we'll also miss the one waiting to take us to Lake Minto. Now, look, Chief. We're about five minutes from the airport. Yeah. The driver will be back in less than a minute, we've got more than 15 minutes to make the plane. Well, we can't possibly miss it. Oh, what time is it? Let's see. A little before 8 o'clock. The Ottawa plane leaves at 8. Oh, it would take Superman to get us to that airport on time now. Well, I might... Um, well, I mean... Oh, look, Chief, you've made a mistake. The Ottawa plane doesn't leave until 8.15. How do you know? I remember looking it up. Yeah, so did I. Well, it leaves at 8. Oh, now, for heaven's sake, Chief, hold on to your blood pressure. Wait a minute. I noticed a paper sticking out of that cab driver's overcoat, and I think he left his coat on the front seat. Wait till I have a look. Is the overcoat there? Yes, but I don't see the newspaper. Probably the other pocket under the coat. Just a second. As Clark Kent lifts the overcoat, the small box beneath it comes into view. A small black box inside which is a deadly time bomb. Even as his eyes notice it, his ears pick up the ominous ticking of the time mechanism within the box. And at once he realizes the meaning of it. The bomb may go off at any moment. What can he do? How can he save them without revealing himself as Superman?
3: Lord, haven't you found that paper yet?
1: Uh, no, no, it, it, it doesn't seem to be here.
3: I'll keep looking.
1: No, what does it matter? I tell you that plane left at 8 o'clock. And when I say left, I mean left.
3: It must be after eight now. Wait, here's the paper. Well, then, for heaven's sake, let's see it. We don't calm Mr. White soon. I'll be able to read it better by
1: the light of the dashboard here. And on just a second while I find the
3: travel section. Oh, Clark, for heaven's sake, bring that paper back here where we can all see it. Well, wait
1: just a second. I, I think I've got it now. At that moment, as the deadly ticking reaches the point where he knows the bomb is about to explode, Kent snatches up the box and, holding it firmly in his two powerful hands, completely encases it. And not a split second too soon... For Harvey, has he covered the box when the bomb explodes harmlessly in his hands? Once again, Superman has triumphed. Oh, what was that explosion? That's
3: a car firing. Clark, if you don't tell us when that plane leaves, I think I'll die. Clark, will you let me see that plane schedule? I already
1: looked it up. The plane leaves at 8.15. Hey, George, we may be able to make it yet. Well, come on, we haven't much time. I don't know what's happened to that driver. I guess we'd better get another can. Here, Lois, I'll take that bag. No, no,
2: keep your hands off that bag, Clark. Mm, what on earth? That's my new airplane luggage. Well,
3: it's so a nice light color. And your hands? Look at them; they're absolutely black. What?
1: Oh, oh, they're covered with, with newsprint. I guess. I'm sorry, I forgot to wash them before I left. You. And so once again, Superman skillfully avoids revealing his identity to Lois and Editor White. Meanwhile, in his lavish apartment. A laugher is seated like some monstrous Buddha in a large modern chair, his eyes half-closed, his hands folded over his expansive stomach. He is thinking. Stretched full length on a nearby couch is Bullets McGuire, who, although he looks like a tough gangster, is reading a book of fairy tales. He reaches
8: the end of a story, sighs deeply, and gently closes the book.
6: (laughs) That is the most beautiful fairy tale I have ever read. Did you say something, Bullets? Yeah, Laffer. I said I just finished the most beautiful fairy tale I ever read. What a pepperoo.
8: <laughs> you never stop reading fairy tales, bullets
6: oh, Why should I, Laffer? They got everything else beat a mile. Now, now, take this one I'm just now finishing reading. Yes? Uh, it's called Jack and a Beanstalk. Boy, what a jerk. <laughs>
8: Who is a jerk, Bullet, and why?
6: Oh, this kid, Jack. Well, to begin with, his own lady tells him to take the cow to market and sell it for what dough he can get, see? So Jack starts off leading the beef on the hook. And on the way to market, he meets a couple of local shills, see? Uh, a couple of coffee and crullers, punk, that take him butt for a ride. Yes? Uh, how so? Well, these two shills, you won't believe this. These shills buy the cow from Jack for a handful of colored beans. <laughs> <laughs> and he says to this jack jerk, Look, Junior, plant these beans and things will happen. It's, it's, it's like selling somebody the Brooklyn Bridge Or the, the Golden Gate Oh, uh, the plot thickens, as it were Yeah, thick This guy Jack was one of the dumbest clods there ever is Well, he plants the beans And the next morning There's a beanstalk growing right up into the clouds <laughs> You get me? <laughs> I
8: get you Pray continue, Bullet.
6: Well, you know, come to think of it Maybe Jack wasn't such a dumb jerk after all Because in the end, see, he cops all the giant's dough for himself.
8: Oh, there's a giant
6: in it, is there? Oh, yeah, a giant. And he had a hen which gives out with golden eggs. I don't believe it.
2: Oh, it's all true.
6: I'm sorry, Bullets. But I simply cannot bring
8: myself to believe anything quite so, so fantastic.
6: Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of hard to take, ain't it? But it's all true, Laffer. It's right here in the book, pictures and everything. Here, I'll show you. I'll get it. Hello, this is Jacket. I mean, hello. Oh, yeah, Sleepy. Just as full as can. Huh? Hello. Hello. Now, look, Sleepy, don't go to sleep in a telephone booth. Huh? Will you please stop yawning and talk? Oh. All right. Wait a minute. You're Sleepy, Lampus. He wants to chin with you. Oh, yes.
8: Hello, Sleepy. Is everything all right? What's that? Sleepy. For heaven's sake, stop yawning and tell me. Yes. Yes. They've left the cab. But that's impossible. Didn't the bomb go off? It didn't. Now, look here, Sleepy.
6: Hello. Sleepy. Something wrong, Lapper?
8: He fell asleep in the booth. I can hear him snoring. Oh well. (laughs) There are other things to think of now. White, Miss Lane, and Kent—they've escaped, and I've no doubt it's all due to the gentleman in the red cape and the blue suit—Superman.
6: Superman. Superman? He, he sounds like he might even be smarter than Jack, even. (laughs)
8: Superman would make you a jack And even your giant looks slightly ill This Superman's an amazing fellow He is so fast that he can stop a bullet in flight So strong that he can move mountains And he's intelligent as well
6: Wow, what a combo, huh? What a combo
8: Yes, he is, quite a combination For the very first time in my rather long and dangerous career I've met an opponent worthy of me (laughs) The first two rounds go to Superman. But perhaps a third shall be mine. What can happen between here and that hunting line in the Hudson Bay country... Much can happen, and will.
6: <laughs> uh, now you're happy again, huh, And uh, uh, that funny look, it ain't in your face no more. Uh, hey, Laffa, you want to tell you the rest of the family story about Jack and his beanstalk? By all means,
8: Bullet. <laughs> By all means.
6: Yeah, well, there's a giant living at the top of this beanstalk, see? So... Well, Chief, after all your
1: excitement, you see, we made the plane anyway. Yes, yes, it's good to sit back in this seat and relax. But I've got a funny feeling we're going to run into trouble before this trip is through. Yes, I've got a feeling you're right.
8: Patten your seatbelt, We're for you for taking off.
1: Fasten your seatbelt.
2: getting cold feet again?
1: I can't help it if I'm the nervous type,
2: can I? No, I suppose not. Though so it seems to me that you could... Well,
3: never mind. Well,
1: here we go. We're on our way, Chief. Yeah. Tomorrow morning we'll be in Ottawa and on to the Hudson Bay country and. Well, heaven alone knows what. Yes, can I? I'm certainly anxious to find out what kind of trouble Sebastian is in. <laughs> Must be pretty bad. Pretty bad. Otherwise, he'd. What? What, what in the world?
2: the matter, Mr. White? What's wrong?
1: No. Well, no, no. No, it isn't. It can't be. But, Lois, 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 tell me that it isn't.
2: Mr. White,
1: what on earth are you talking about? No. No, no. I'll, I'll never be able to do it. It isn't true. It can't be, I tell you.
7: It can't be.
1: Well, what in the world has happened to upset Editor White again? What won't he be able to live through? Evidently something is wrong with the Ottawa-bound plane. What is it? Be sure to be with us for the next episode in this story of the North Woods. Listen tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound.
2: Superman!
1: Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman, directed by George Lothar, and his copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.
7: Behold
1: my process.
0: Ooh, you do something right here, uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! With an exclusive Loot on surprises, and delivered to your every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre,
3: daddy! <laughs> <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! calabonga. To the Loot Gaming video game box! woohoo!
7: hoo! the Loot Crate box! What's with kids
0: today, Browsers! With cuts starting as low as $11 per month, those are facts just about for all co To get your Geek on, head over to PhoenixMedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X-Media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott!
5: Snap into a loot crate! Dig it?
1: Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent, Harry White, editor of the Daily Planet, and Lois Lane, girl reporter, are now safely on their way to visit Sebastian Beauvais, owner of a hunting lodge in the Hudson Bay region, in answer to his letter for help to Perry White. For some reason, as yet unknown to us, an evil character known as the Laugher does not want them to reach the hunting lodge. As our last episode ended, the Ottawa plane was just taking off when... I've said it before, and I repeat it now. I wish you two weren't going on this trip. I've got a feeling we're going to run into trouble. Oh,
3: don't worry about us, Chief. We've been through plenty. Nevertheless,
1: I fail to see... Oh, no. No, it isn't so. It can't be. Lois. Lois, tell me it
3: isn't. Sorry, Mr. White. I'm afraid no. it
1: is. No. No, it can't be. I, I told you, it can't be. Hello.
3: Oh, great <laughs> heavens, it is. Of course <laughs> it is, Chief. It's Jimmy Olsen. Glad to see me.
1: Glad to see you, Jim boy. Now, uh, let me see. What exactly were my reactions when I first laid eyes on you? At first, a desperate panic seized me. I wanted to scream out.
3: Say, what's gotten into Mr. White?
1: And then I said to myself, No, no, this can't be so. That's not Jimmy Olson. I'm imagining things. Or perhaps I need new glasses. That's what I said to myself. And then you spoke. You said, Hello. And then I knew it was you. And I wanted to jump out of the plane, you understand? I wanted
2: to throw myself down and beat my head against the floor. I wanted to... Oh, but what
1: does it matter? You're here now, and I can't get rid of you. You've done this to me, Kent, and you'll pay for it right now. You're fired, Kent. Oh, gee. You're fired, do you hear me? You're fired. Okay, if that's the way you feel about it, I'll take a plane back from Ottawa tomorrow morning. And take that freckle faced troublemaker back with you.
3: Gosh, Mr. Kent... Gosh, I didn't mean to get you fired. Well, Jim, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. What do you mean, Clark?
1: Well, I'll take that job with uh, Humphreys at the uh. Daily Clarion. <laughs> it means a 25% increase in pay. You know. uh, no, 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 just, just a moment, can't you? You can't do that. But you just fired me, Mr. White. I'm no longer responsible to you or your newspaper. i join the staff at the Clarion tomorrow with a 25% increase. Now, just hold on. I- I'll give you a... Uh, 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 no, no, I don't fall for the same trick twice this is one time I fooled you. You're fired, Mr. Kent, and this time you'll stay fired. That's okay with me. I didn't ask you to rehire me. No, but you're trying to trick me into doing it. Oh, you flatter yourself. What's that?
3: What's that? now please, you two. Everybody in the plane is looking at it. Look what I started.
1: Wherever you are, there's trouble. But don't try to change the subject. I
3: didn't try to... Silence!
1: Now, Kent, just what did you mean by that remark? You said I was trying to trick you into rehiring me, and I said you flattered yourself. What did you mean by it? Oh, I meant simply that I'm fed up with working for you. Now that I'm free of you, I'm glad of it. What? What? And I'll tell you a few other things. Things that others don't dare tell you. You're a tyrant, Harry White. What? A mean, nasty, tempered, irascible, and thoroughly detestable tyrant. Whoa, 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 me? You heard what I said. It's true, and it's about time you knew it. Take a look at yourself. Take a good look. You won't find it pleasant. Gosh, Mr.
3: Kent, I've never heard you talk this way before. I never have either.
1: Neither have I. <laughs> I don't know what to say.
3: The less said, the better, I guess. Jim, I'm sorry that our
1: trip to Hudson Bay has turned out to be a fizzle. Oh,
3: gosh, that's okay, Mr. Kent. How in the world did Jimmy get aboard this plane, Clark?
1: Oh, well, when I left you this afternoon at the sporting goods store, Lois, I went to see about a reservation for Jimmy. I phoned him where to pick up his ticket and to meet us on the
3: plane I uh, well, I was glad to see you, Jimmy. Well, thanks, Miss Lane. I'm glad someone was. No trip would seem complete without you, Jim. You and Mr. Kent and myself, well, we're sort of becoming the three musketeers, you know. One for all and all for one. You mean that, Lois? What? Uh, well, well sh- of course I mean it, certainly. Really Very
6: rascal. Mean tempered. No, nasty effort, he said. Uh,
3: what are we going to Canada for, Mr. Kent?
1: Our esteemed Mr. White got a letter which said, Please come quick, signed Sebastian Beauvais, an old friend of Mr. White's. Uh, one of the few he has
3: left. Gosh, what do you suppose the trouble is? No idea, Jim. No idea at all.
1: Uh, Kent. Uh, yes? Uh, I've looked at myself. Oh, yes? Unpleasant, just like you said. You're right. I am mean and irascible
3: and nasty tempered. Oh, now, Mister White.
4: You no, really no, are... no,
3: no, Kent's right. I, I ought to be horsewhipped. Oh, gee, Mister White. Jimmy, Kent, Lois, can you ever forgive
1: me?
4: Oh,
3: oh well, sure. Mr. And you White,
1: particularly, I... Kent. Will you let bygones be bygones? Why, sure, Chief. Then you'll you'll stay with the Daily Planet. Sure. Same salary. Okay.
2: <laughs> huh? what? what are you
1: all laughing about? What's so funny?
2: Don't you see, Mr. White?
1: I've you... what? Well, oh, I've fallen for the same trick again. I've been fooled into rehiring him. Oh, I suppose I'll never learn. Oh, well. Pass. Forget it, forget it, forget it now. I'm going to sleep. Uh, wake me up when we land in all <laughs> What I said, Mister. I'm the bush pilot you hired for this trip to Lake Minto, and if you're ready, we'll start now. Get your baggage. Just a minute, just a minute. We just got here. Is that the plane you're taking us in? The one anchored down there at the float? You don't see no other plane in the immediate vicinity, do you? No, No, but well, if that's it,
2: I must say I don't like the
7: looks of it.
1: How old is that plane? She's one of the first transports built back in 1920, and she's one of the best planes I ever flew. If you don't like the looks of her, I'm sorry. You can call the trip off if you want now, her. Now, look here. When I hired you to fly me to Lake Minto, I never thought your plane was a, a wreck like that one. We'll be flying over uncharted wilderness. A crack-up would be fatal. I've been bush-piled in this plane since 1924, mister, and she's never had a serious crack-up yet, and I don't expect she ever will. Oh, but
3: golly, the wings have got patches all over them. And look, the open door on the side of the fuselage... It... It's sort of hanging off.
1: Yep, i got to put a new hinge on that door one of these here days. Well, I'll be... The
3: question is, are we going to fly in that thing or not?
1: Well, is there any other way of getting to Lake Minto, Mr. White? If there is, I don't know about it. Well, I guess it's this plane or nothing. All right, we'll take a chance. And get your baggage and get aboard. and We'll get started at once. On account I think there's a fog setting in, and the quicker we get going, the better. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Make a habit of flying in a fog? Can't make a habit old young fellow, on account there ain't enough fog, but I fly fog or no fog. If it scares you, you can stay behind. Oh, come on, Kent. We may as well get aboard. Here, I, I'll take some of the bags. Would you mind helping us? I'm a pilot, not a porter, mister, but I'll give you a hand on account I'm that anxious to get started, and the quicker we get the baggage aboard, the faster we'll take off. Give me that small bag.
3: You are. Don't strain yourself. Is
1: it heavy?
2: No, not really. <sighs>
1: I've got it. Just follow me, all of you, down this gangplank to the plane and watch your step on account the landing. Kind of slippery. Just be careful getting into the plane Don't grab all that busted door may come off Well, nothing matters, really Unless we fall through the bottom of the plane Oh,
2: get in, Clark For heaven's sake, get in yeah, well, on, well. Okay. well,
1: I'll sit down over here and be all Well, if you'll just let me get to the pilot's seat I'll start her up We'll take off for Lake Minto hey, Sure, don't let me stand in your way I bet herself start her put in Just keep up with the times a bit And she works fine You just watch and see
3: wow. <laughs> That sounds fine just like a real plane Gosh I'm beginning to wish I'd never come on this trip Don't lose you now, Jim no, I'm not, but Golly Uh-oh This plane has got to give out some time or other And this may be the time Well, let's hope it isn't
1: Well, it looks as if we're about ready for the takeoff That's hey, right, young fellow, we are But I just want to see everything in good working condition Oh,
3: optimist, isn't he? How long will it take us to get to Lake Minto?
1: Oh, six hours or thereabouts, the crow flies. Well, uh, how about as we fly? About the same. Mm -hmm. Oh. Flaps seem to work a little stiff on account I guess they're kind of rusty. I ain't oiled the cables like I've intended to.
2: Yes, you'll have to do that, I guess, one of these here, days. Yeah.
1: Well, hold your seats, everybody. We're ready for the takeoff. Are you all set? Then here we go. (laughs) There we are in the air. Well, amazing. I didn't think it could be done.
3: I didn't either. Now I've seen everything. Well,
1: the question in my mind is, how long do we stay in the air? Don't worry none about that, mister. On account I've made this same trip in this here same plane hundreds of
3: times, I ain't never had a serious accident yet. Yeah, but there's always a first time for everything, you know. No, now stop worrying and just sit back and enjoy the trip. We've got some pretty wonderful scenery ahead
1: of us. Mountains and wilderness such as you've never seen before. And
3: I'll sit back, but I won't relax. And frankly, the thought of your mountains and wilderness doesn't make me feel particularly happy. And it so. A... Huh? What's
1: that? Something's wrong with the motor. Now, just don't get excited, folks. Sometimes this happens on account I ain't checked her over in a long time, but it
3: usually passes
1: off.
7: And that doesn't
3: sound to me as if it's going to pass off. Oh, wait. Look, there are flames shooting out of the motor. Holy mackerel, we're going to burn up. Look, the fuselage is starting
1: to catch fire. The cabin's full of smoke. I can't understand this. It may never happen before.
7: But
2: we're nothing over. We're going to crash. We're going to crash on the river. Oh, my heavens,
1: we'll be drowned. We're burned alive. This ship is going up like a bale of hay. Kent. Mr. Kent. Steady,
2: Jim. For heaven's sake, steady. What can we do, Bob? What do we do? Nothing.
1: We're going to crash. If yeah. we hit this way,
2: we'll dive
3: straight
1: to the bottom. And those flames,
2: that smoke. Here it comes, the river.
1: To... Screaming through space, the flaming plane dives toward the river, carrying all on board with it. For some strange reason, Clark Kent has thus far made no effort to assume his role of Superman and save the plane before it plunged headlong to its doom. Why is he waiting? And has he waited too long? Be sure to hear tomorrow's episode when once again that strange fearful character known as the Laugher puts in another appearance. Yes, be sure to listen tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman.
2: Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leave tall buildings in a single bound. Look! Look for the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman!
1: Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is a copyrighted feature
2: It's a bird!
4: It's a plane! It's
1: Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, then steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent, Editor White of the Daily Planet, Lois Lane, and young Jimmy Olsen, are now on their way to the Hudson Bay region of northern Canada to visit the hunting lodge of Sebastian Beauvais, an old friend of White's who's in trouble and needs help. For some reason, a strange character known as the Laffer does not want Perry White to reach the hunting lodge alive. In our last episode, we heard how White, Kent, Lois, and Jimmy started north from Ottawa in a private seaplane. Suddenly, the motor began to cough and sputter. In the next moment, the plane nosed over into a steep dive and flames poured back into the cabin.
2: We're on fire! The cabin's burning! Steady, Lois, steady! Mr. White! Mr. White! Oh, Clark! Clark, he's fainted!
1: Yes, and the pilot's out, too! Smoke must have gotten him! the heat! Mr. Kent. <coughs> Fire's getting worse. <coughs> the heat.
3: Oh,
2: Clark, I can't
1: stand it. It's unbearable, <coughs> Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent. Jimmy. Jim. Oh, he's fainted too. Oh, Clark.
2: Clark, this Oh.
1: Well, it's a good thing you killed over, Lois. Now well, I can handle this. As Superman. Out through the plane door. <laughs> there. Under the plane. So ah, Got it. Now down into the water with it, but gently. So. Now, the water's put the flames out. Now to carry the plane to shore, to dry land and safety. Up, up, and away! Lifting the charred and crippled seaplane out of the water, Superman carries it to the safety of the riverbank, its unconscious occupants miraculously saved from horrible death. Meanwhile, back in Metropolis the mysterious character known as the Laugher is seated in his penthouse apartment. With him is Bullets McGuire, the hawk-nosed gangster, reading
6: fairy tales. Bullets is telling the laugher about the latest story he read. So, uh, Sleeping Beauty is the name of this one, Laugher. It, it's all about a beautiful doll who sleeps for a hundred years, See? Eh? Now, there she is, lying in the castle with the cobwebs getting thick and the dust piling up. Answer the phone, Bullets. Sleeping Beauty will wait. Yeah, sure. Hello? Oh. The host calling. And hold on a minute. It's for you, a Long distance from Ottawa, Canada. The guy says you know who it is. Yes, I'll take it. Hand me the phone. Mm.
8: <coughs> Hello? Yes? Yes? How did that happen? I see. No, I'll carry on from this end.
4: Yes. Goodbye. <laughs>
6: uh, you want to hear the rest of the story About the uh, sleeping beauty laughing? <laughs> Not now, Bullets I have a problem You got problems? I have
8: a problem The most intriguing problem I have had in a long time The problem of Superman.
6: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the guy that got in your way when you tried to knock off that newspaper editor, uh, the Perry White. Perry White and his friends
8: must never reach the Hudson Bay hunting lodge of Sebastian Beauvais. I tried to prevent their even taking off in the plane for Ottawa. Superman blocked me successfully at every turn. They succeeded in reaching Ottawa. I made contact with our representative there and told him to keep an eye on him, to keep me posted. Meanwhile, I must prevent their reaching Beauvais' hunting lodge. Uh, you don't want them to get there because of the... Uh, bullets. We never mention it by name. You remember?
6: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right.
8: By the way, Bullets, you, uh, haven't mentioned it to anyone, have you?
6: Oh, no, no, no. A slip of the tongue,
8: perhaps? Something that you didn't intend?
6: Oh, no, honest, Laffer. Gee, you can trust me. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
6: hey Hey, don't look at me like that and laugh It it, it makes me feel kind of cold inside You have nothing to fear, Bullets Nothing So long as my instructions
8: are obeyed to the letter But to continue That telephone call was from my Ottawa agent He told me that White and his friends crashed in the private plane they had hired To fly them from Ottawa to Lake Minto Thirty miles from Beauvais Hunting Lodge well, I guess that takes care of them, huh? No. Because despite the fact the plane fell to the river in flames, everyone in that plane escaped unharmed.
6: Yeah, but, but, but how could they? Superman. Ah. Oh. Yes, oh.
8: They are now in Ottawa trying to find some means of transportation to the hunting lodge. Perceive now our situation. The people we wish to prevent from reaching the hunting lodge in Hudson Bay are caught in Ottawa. What do we do? We bump them off another of one. That is as you reason, the bullets. But to a unique brain such as my own, there comes another thought—a thought so amusing that I can hardly contain myself.
4: <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> what is this thought of yours? <laughs> it is very clever, bullets. <laughs>
6: yeah, well, stop. <laughs> stop patting yourself on the back and give me the lowdown. Okay. I'm 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 sorry, Laffer. I I didn't mean to say that. It it, it just kind of slipped out. That that's on a level. It's just that, well, I, I was kind of anxious to hear what your idea was, and, and honest, Laffer. honest.
8: You must be more careful, bullets. I will not tolerate disrespect.
6: Yeah, sure. I. I, I
8: recall to you the things that happened to Soapy, and the monks, and Rain for making stupid mistakes.
6: You you wouldn't do nothing like that to me. I mean, you and me, we, we've been pounds a long time. We'd laugh. At, no, no, you wouldn't. No. <laughs> no. No,
8: of course not. Now, where were we? Oh, yes, my clever idea. Up to now, I've been trying to prevent White and his friends from reaching the hunting lodge. Now I'm going to make
6: certain they do reach it. Well, uh, what's the sense in that? The sense in it?
8: Perhaps it amuses me, Bullets. Or perhaps I think it wise to permit them to walk into the lion's den. <laughs> we shall see bullets <laughs> Yes, we shall see
1: <laughs> We've been cooped up in this out of a hotel for three days And I can't stand it any longer Now, Chief Oh, stop
3: trying to pacify me We're wasting precious time We should have been at Bouvet's hunting lodge two days ago We couldn't help the airplane accident, Mr. White. matter of fact, it's a miracle we're alive Yes, yes, I suppose you're right at that But there ought to be something we can do about this interminable waiting around Well, oh, I haven't minded it myself is a beautiful city, I think, and I've been doing some shopping. And... Have
1: you forgotten that we're supposed to be on our way to the hunting lodge of Sebastian Bouvet because he's in trouble? No,
3: I haven't forgotten.
2: but,
1: but,
6: but nothing. I refuse to remain here another day. We've got to get to that hunting lodge, and we've got to get there quickly.
3: But how, Mr. White? The only possible way is by plane, and we haven't been able to find another private pilot in Ottawa able to make the trip. They're all doing war work. No, I know it, I know it, I know it, but I've waited long enough. Well, perhaps Clark will have better luck today than he's had before. He's been gone now for three hours, and he'll have no better
1: luck today than he had yesterday or the day before. No, my mind's made up. I know what I've got to do, and I'm going to do it. Well, what's that, Mr. White? There's a man named Shepherd in Metropolis who owns a private plane. I'm going to telephone him and have him fly up here and pick us up.
3: Oh, gracious, Mr. White, the expense. Oh, hang the
1: expense. Shepherd can be here by... Oh, hello, hello. Uh, long distance, please. Shepherd can be here by tomorrow if he works fast, and we can be in Lake Minnow the following day. Action, that's what I want, and... Hi, Chief. Hi yourself, and see where it gets you.
2: Any luck, Clark?
1: I'll say. Our troubles are all over. We'll be in Lake Minnow by tonight. Uh, what's Why that? What's he... that? Now, hold on to yourself Chief. We we'll all have to hurry, but I think we can make it. Well, what are you talking about? Are we going to Lake Nindowar, aren't we? We are, if we can get to the Ottawa seaplane base within a half hour.
2: Well, of course we can. Come on, let's get going. Jimmy, start yeah? packing that bag. I'll pack this up. Okay. How did all this come about, Carl?
1: Well, I was down there trying to find a pilot who could make the trip when a private plane landed nearby. I got to talking with the pilot, a fellow named Shepard from Metropolis. You know what? I said I got to talking to the pilot, and he suggested. Did you say his name was Shepard?
2: That's right. Why? That's funny. That's the man Mr. White was just. Uh, Never
1: mind, never mind. Go on. Well, believe it or not, he's on his way to Lake Minto. He's carrying only one passenger, and he said the passenger wouldn't mind our going along, so we're going. Gosh, that is luck. Almost too good to be true. Funny thing, Jim, that's what I thought, too. But this is no time to look a gift horse in the mouth. We get to the base in half an hour. Well, we'll make it, or I'll know the reason why. There, pack those bags, you two. Come on, now get busy. Get busy. Watch your step, everyone. A little difficult getting in the plane from landing. Uh, here, you first, Miss Lane. I'll help you.
3: Thank you. We're certainly very happy
1: you're able to take us. Oh, gosh, yeah, we didn't know what to do. I'm glad to help you out. Wouldn't have thought twice about it, Perry, if known it was you. Jeff, yep, are getting here like this is the best book of luck that's ever happened to me. Well, well, I'm glad. All right, Miss Lane. Uh, just give me your arm. Okay. That's it?
4: Ah.
1: Now, now then, you young fella, up you go.
7: Okay. Grab a hold. <sighs>
1: Now, uh, look here, Chef. You sure this is all right with your other passenger? Oh, sure, Perry I talked to Mr. Graham and explained the situation He's glad to have you come along Well, I must tell him how grateful I am uh, Is he in the plane now? Yes, you'll find him in the cabin Well, up you go, Perry yep, yep, right uh, uh, You're uh. in Mr. Kent, I guess you can make it along. Sure, I'll just grab hold of that door and swing up
3: there. Boy, look at these cushioned seats and everything uh, Sit over here, Mr. Kent Thanks,
1: Jim Oh, I, I can Yes, Chief uh, Come here I want you to meet our benefactor, the man who's so kindly permitting us to go with him to Lake Middle. Oh, yes. Glad to. Kent, this is Mr. Graham. Mr. Niles Graham of Metropolis. What?
8: (laughs) How do you do, Mr. Kent? Very happy to know you. Very happy indeed.
1: Well, the Laffer's plan, whatever it may be, is beginning to work. What strange adventures lie in store for our friends at the hunting lodge in the wilderness of Hudson Bay... Don't fail to listen tomorrow and every day Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman.
2: Faster than a speeding bullet! More powerful than a locomotive! Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound! Look up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman!
1: follow the adventures of superman every day monday through friday same time same station superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in action comics magazine you're tuning in to silver age heroes
0: radio theater presented by phoenix media up in the sky it's a bird it's a plane no it's superman
1: Ben Steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, The Adventures of Superman. When Clark Kent, Perry White, Lois Lane, and young Jimmy Olsen started for the Hudson Bay region of northern Canada in response to an appeal for help from Sebastian Bobay, an old friend of White's, they had no idea of the trouble in store for them but on reaching Ottawa, they were fortunate enough to be offered passage in a private plane to Lake Minto, 30 miles from Beauvais' hunting lodge. In the plane, Kent was shocked to discover that its lone passenger, though he introduced himself as Niles Graham, was in reality the Laffer, a strange fat man who had sworn to prevent Perry White and his party from reaching Beauvais' lodge. Although the Laffer has met Superman, he is not aware that Clark Kent, and the Man of Steel are one and the same. The laughter sits in the rear of the plane, chatting with
8: Clark Kent, little realizing that beside him is Superman, his sworn enemy. Listen. There's something I should like to ask you, Mr. Kent. Yes, Mr. Graham? <laughs> when your editor, Mr. White, introduced us, I had the feeling somehow that we had met before, and that you recognized me, although I did not recognize you...
1: As a matter of fact, I did think so, but then I realized we hadn't met.
8: Forgive my saying so, Mr. Kent, but that does not quite make sense. What do you mean? Regard me, Mr. Kent. I'm a man of enormous size. My chins are three, and my stomach, although one, is large enough for six men. <laughs> I'm indeed a monstrous mountain of flesh. Each finger of my hands carries a ring. Even the buttons of my shirt are made of precious stones. I am not the sort of person one forgets easily. Had you ever met me before, you'd have no trouble remembering.
1: I'm afraid I'll have to admit you're right.
8: <laughs> and we have met before, Mr. Kent?
1: Not that I know of.
8: <laughs> I sometimes consider myself psychic, Mr. Kent. I have a hunch we have met before. Yes, we have met before.
1: I'm sorry. To the best of my knowledge, Clark Kent and Niles Graham have never met before.
8: Then why did you think you had seen me somewhere?
1: Well, to be truthful, it was the shock of your appearance alone that made me start. As you
8: yourself have said last... Um, uh, Mr. Graham... What was that... What did you say? I was
1: merely saying, as you yourself have said, Mr. Graham... No,
8: you used another name.
1: I'm afraid you're mistaken.
8: I am never mistaken. What was the other name you used?
1: Mr. Graham, I'm beginning to grow a little tired of this conversation. If it can't be carried on pleasantly, I'll rejoin my friends up front.
8: (laughs) Sensitive, aren't you? Come, come, sit down. We'll turn the conversation to another subject in as much as this one seems to be a trifle touchy. Cigarette.
1: Thank you, no. I don't smoke.
8: Well, then, just relax and be comfortable. (laughs) There are so few comforts in the world today that one must enjoy them while he may. I have not yet learned why you and your friends are bound for Lake Minto. A hunting expedition, perhaps? Of a sort. (laughs) Something else you'd rather not talk about?
4: What? Oh, no,
1: not at all. We're on our way to the hunting lodge of a man named Sebastian Beauvais.
8: Beauvais. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, by heaven, that's wonderful. That's exactly where I am going.
1: That's all. Wow, well, that's very interesting.
8: Interesting and exciting, sir. I thought it was going to be a boring trip. But I can't imagine four people I'd rather travel with.
1: You are going to do some hunting, are you?
8: Yes, moose and caribou. And you and your friend?
1: Mr. White is the only one who hunts, and he hunts with a camera. A camera? Mm
8: hmm.
1: How <laughs> oh, very dull. Well, I'm afraid I can't agree with you photographing wildlife can be very exciting.
8: Me, is there no subject we can really talk about without finding ourselves in disagreement?
1: Apparently not. At least we don't seem to be having much success. I'd say we ought to forget it and have another try some other time.
7: Hmm?
1: I'll, uh, I'll rejoin my friends now, if you'll
8: pardon me. <laughs> Certainly, Mr. Kent. As for myself, it is customary for me to nap in the afternoon. So I shall give myself over to the delicious delights of sleep. All right. See you later. Yes, Mr Kent.
7: <laughs>
8: clever young man, Mr Kent, but not clever enough for me. We have met before. No doubt we shall meet again. <laughs> no, no doubt whatever. <laughs>
1: On across the unlimited wilderness of northern Canada, the plane wings its way, carrying not only Perry White and his party, but also the man who was vowed to destroy them. At last, the plane reaches Lake Minto. And after the necessary preparations are made, they start the long trek by pack horse into the forests of the North Country. As they thread their way through the almost trackless woods... The sky grows overcast, and a cold wind comes up. Soon the wind is a gale, and then the storm hits in all its fury. Hailstones the size of marbles rain down upon the small party, flipping against their faces, stinging their bodies and hands unmercifully. With great difficulty that night, the horses are tethered, tents pegged down against the storm. A quick supper is prepared by the French-Canadian guide, and then all seek the warm shelter of their beds. Again, Clark Kent finds himself thrown into the company of the laugher, Mr. Niles Graham, for they share the same tent. An oil lamp, dangling from the tent pole, casts eerie shadows while the winds howl and the tent strains at its guy ropes. Round about them in the forest, the trees groan against the lashing of the gale.
8: It's a devil's brew of the night, Kent. Yes, it is. What in the world is all that moaning and groaning I hear?
1: That's the trees. They're weighted down heavily
8: with ice.
3: (coughs) Oh, those
1: horses. Poor animals. I wonder how they're standing the lashing of those hailstones.
8: It is a matter of small consequence, so long as we are comfortable. What matter the horses? That's a selfish point of view, Mr. Graham. (laughs) Here we go again. Oh, dear me, Mr. Kent, I do wish you'd agree with something I say. What is that?
1: A tree cracking. Look here, I thought you were a hunter. I am. You certainly don't seem to know much about the forest.
8: My dear Mr. Kent, merely because I am unable to identify a sound
7: that...
8: (laughs) come, we appear to be building up to another argument. Something will really have to be done about these differences of opinion eventually.
1: I'm inclined to agree with you for perhaps the first time.
8: Those horses bother me. I'm going out to see if I can do anything for them. Don't be a fool. Where the wind is whipping that hail around, you'll be slashed to ribbons. I can't help it. I've got to see to those horses. I'll be back in a little while.
1: <laughs>
8: You're just a soft-hearted fool, Ken.
1: Hmm, soft-hearted fool, am I? Well, something's got to be done for those horses. Oh, great! Scott. no one of those horses are frightened. This hail is cutting them like knives. Something tells me this is a job for Superman. All right, boys. Take it easy for just a few minutes now. I'll see what I can do about building a shelter for you. Now, let's see. Now, that oak tree, I'll just rip it up by the roof. Get my arms around it. So, and now then, up you come. There we are. Now, I'll just use this to knock down a dozen or so of those other trees. Here we go. Hope the others don't hear all this noise I'm making. I don't imagine they will for this storm raging. There. I don't think I'll need much more than this. All right, just another minute, boys. Wait a minute. I'll have a shelter thrown up here for you. I'll just pile these trees one on top of the other and build a sort of wall. I'll use the oak tree for the base.
2: There.
1: Now these others on top.
2: This one. There
1: we are. That does it. All right, come on, boys. This wall will protect you from the wind and hail. Come on, get over here. Get up there. Come on. That's it. That does it. Ah, now I feel a lot easier about you fellas.
7: Oh.
1: You're welcome. I'll see you in the morning.
8: Well, Kent, back so soon? <laughs> Help the horses, any?
1: Well, I made them a little more comfortable, I think.
8: <laughs> You've done your good deed for the day, boy Scout. There's <laughs> that tree cracking again. Sounds like a big one just outside the tent. You think it's safe in here for the night kid? Oh, I shouldn't worry about it if I were you. Worry? <laughs> Hardly that. I never worry. But if that tree is going to crash down on us, I want to know about it. I'm afraid I can't tell you that. Well uh, I'm going to sleep. Good night, Ken. And pleasant dreams. Same to you, <laughs> Do you think this storm will be over by morning? Wait. Listen. Kent, that tree is falling. It's <laughs>
2: going to crash down on or... Hold on to yourself. <laughs> Kent! <laughs>
7: <laughs>
1: Cowering on his cot, the lapper's tiny eyes are wide with terror, even though gales of hysterical mirth pour from his thick lips. Unaware that Superman, in the guise of Kent, is beside him, he thinks the end has come as the ice-laden tree crashes through the fragile tent. Will Superman lift a hand to save his sworn enemy? Be sure and listen tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet! More powerful than a locomotive! No buildings in a single bound.
2: Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman!
1: Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.
0: Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!